Good morning and welcome to Inside Maine. And today we're talking about an issue that affects everybody, even if they don't know it. And what we're talking about is campaign finance and particularly the fact that it's very hard to tell often who's paying for those slick ads that you see on television around election time. My first guest is the senior senator from Montana, John Tester. And uh, John, you've had some experience with this firsthand back in Montana, but you've also uh, thought a lot about how to deal with the issue of disclosure of who's making the contributions. Yes, we've had. We've had experience. And I will tell you, Angus, I think if I were to point out one problem with Washington, D.C., and as you know, there are many, this may be the, the biggest problem we've got. Um, the amount of money that's coming into these campaigns, we don't know where the money comes from. It's being used to try to persuade people to take certain stands on issues without looking at the facts just because they're they're running these ads. You mean you don't think you can have a thorough and deep discussion of an issue in 30 seconds? It's very difficult, as you well know. But 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 the bottom line is is that if 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 we're going to have a democracy that works, that really works, uh, it can't be influenced by special interest exclusively. And that and that's really what we're seeing and we're seeing a paralysis that's developed in in, in Congress that I don't think existed in the days of Mike Mansfield, my predecessor. And, and, and I would just tell you that, that, that unless we get this uh, uh, more transparency so we can find out who's trying to influence the election so that the people can understand that there's agendas behind this money, um, then I think our democracy is at risk. And, and, and so that's why I've got some bills. You've got some bills to do this. I, I, I've ha- I'm currently right now, and I'm in cycle. <clears throat> in I'm cycle means you're up for yep, election. Yep, I'm up for election in November of 2018. Um, they've, these dark money groups, the people who we don't know where the money comes from, that's why we call them dark groups, uh, have spent about a million dollars uh, in Montana, just short of a million dollars. Already. 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 And we're 20, what, two months, three months, uh, twenty, about 20 months out from the election, which is just uh, absolutely amazes me that these, these folks have this kind of money to dump into a state like Montana. And Montana, like Maine, a million dollars is a lot of dough. And so uh, the, the TV stations in Montana ought to build a statue of they're, you. They're doing very well. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting. I talked to the TV stations. They now budget on a two-year cycle because there's so much money coming in these elections that they are able to do some pretty creative things with those dollars, which good for them. I mean, we like the economic development. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it really does uh, do some really bad things for uh, for for our democracy. And and instead of requiring people to to get out and meet the people in debate. Uh, we just had an election in Montana like you did in Maine in 2016. Many of the candidates who ran statewide didn't break the front doorstep. They didn't personally go out. And that's really unusual for a state like Montana where it's kind of an eyeball-to-eyeball state. And many of the candidates who ran statewide didn't break the front door. They just let these dark money groups do their thing. And uh, they won. We're not talking about saying people can't contribute, although we, no. there, there are there's some issues about corporations. But yes. but we're basically saying you can contribute, but tell us who you are. No, that's, that's exactly right because there are people and corporations have agendas out there that may not line up with Montana or Maine values at all. And they're pumping this money in and uh, doing it under the guise of education, I might add, when in fact it is absolutely electioneering. And in the end, it, it makes it very difficult if, if you're really committed to doing a good job and finding all the facts, it ends up where facts don't really matter that much. It's just who's got the biggest wallet. Well, 
and and I think we need to talk a little bit about the the, the numbers here. The the one that has shocked me was that two, less less than two years ago, just last fall, Kelly Ayotte and Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire, small state, one point three million people, same size as Maine, as a matter of fact. In that election, one hundred and thirty million dollars was spent. One hundred and thirty million dollars which is I mean, it's just sort of hard to imagine in, in a small state like that. And uh, three-quarters of that money on both sides came from outside groups. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's pretty crazy. I mean, and, and I can tell you that uh, when, I, when I ran in 2012 and we spent far less than that in a state of a million people, basically, our office was actually getting phone calls while the election was going on, asked, asking from businesses saying, could you take down some of your ads so we could advertise our furniture or our cars or our carpet or whatever <laughs> so, they're selling. So the advertising in Montana was, was totally political. Totally political and totally nonstop, especially from, I'll say from Labor Day, but potentially even from the 4th of July on, uh, you didn't turn on a TV set or, and see and not see a political ad. And, 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 and I'll tell you that, 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 that in the end, people just get burnt out. And they, just, they just say, hey, I, I'm not going to pay any attention to this. In fact, I'm not even going to vote, which is oftentimes what the other agenda is behind all this money. If they can burn out the voting public, then the select few that, that, uh, that they're trying to you know, uh, work on behalf of, I guess you would say, or represent, however you want to do it, will vote. And, and you end up with low voting levels and uh, – and that, that also hurts the democracy. So, I mean, even, even I'll just give you an example of probably the most ridiculous thing that happened in 12. I've, I lost three fingers on my left hand in an accident with a meat grinder when I was nine years old. And, um, and so I've, I've got seven fingers. And, and uh, they, they actually put a, an ad in, in a, on TV and a billboard up that gave me 10 fingers. And I was very excited about it because I was hoping to wake up the next morning and have 10 fingers. I'd be able to drive left. You mean they photoshopped the fingers back in? They they thought that the ad was wrong. They thought that I actually had 10 fingers and something in the picture went bad. So they put put the additional index, middle finger, and, and third finger back on my left hand. And that's that's the kind of ridiculous stuff that they do. They 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 well, this indicate number one, it indicated that whoever did that didn't know you. And they don't know Montana. You know, I mean, I've been around a while, and, and I would have thought that might have helped you. Well, I, I think in the end, it it probably did. I mean, I think people saw the phoniness of the ads uh, because of that. They saw that that the people out there didn't know Montana, and that they were willing to do anything to to try to get their point across. But but it's it's it, you know, the bottom line is, and and I think that uh, hopefully the people of Maine feel the same way the people of Montana do, and that is we need to. To, to add a little sunlight, I think government works best when it's open to the public, when people can see what's going on, when they can see what their senators and congressmen are doing, when they can see who's donating to their campaign. And when you and I receive a check, we, we it's, it's all transparent. All yeah. that money's reported. Well, and one of the things you and uh, there's a bill you and I have in that corrects part of the problem with, with the direct donations. That is, sometimes the reporting doesn't come till weeks and months later. That's right. And that, that doesn't serve the purpose. So we've got a bill in real-time yep. transparency, which basically says if you get more than $1,000, you report it within 48 hours online. Everybody knows it happened. That, and that's exactly what should happen. For those, some people don't care. But those people that do care, they ought to have access to know who's donating to our campaigns. But the, but the, the, the bigger issue is these so-called 501c4, which are, they're, they're quote, 
public, I think, was it public welfare organizations or something like that? They probably got a fancy name. You're yeah, right. They're, they're nonprofits. Yes. And people can contribute. And then the money goes from them into these ads or into another front group that puts up the ads, Americans for Greener Grass or something. That's right. But there's no disclosure whatsoever of the people who contribute to those uh, outfits. None. We have no idea who's giving you those ads. And I have a bill that's called the Sun Act that actually requires folks who give more than 5000 in this case to be able to be uh, public, to, to make them make those donors' names available to the public if they gave more than $5,000 to a C4, uh, a nonprofit group that does electioneering. But but in reality, people give millions to these. Oh, absolutely. That are, yeah. And it's yeah. totally anonymous and invisible. No, that, that's exactly right. Millions, if not tens of millions of dollars. It's amazing the kind of the money that these folks uh, invest. I call it an investment, so that they can get people elected. They will advocate for policies that will help their corporation, maybe singularly, and may, might help their corporation and only their corporation, uh, or, <clears throat> or, or, or worse yet, just just put people in office who have no clue. And so it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting situation we have here. And and I. I really think if we look at Washington D.C. and one of the one of the things that really I know it frustrates you and it certainly frustrates me is that working together is how we get things done back home. Um, the communities in my state and the communities wouldn't have been built without people coming together and working together to build churches and schools and hospitals and all those kind of things. And what this what this has done, what all this money into these campaigns, particularly since a ruling called Citizens United in the Supreme Court. What it's done is it's really called a, caused a paralysis because folks, when when they go vote, for instance, we got a Gorsuch vote coming up. They've been running ads saying, John Tester, you're a dirty, rotten son of a gun, and if you don't vote for Gorsuch, you're going to be a really bad person. They've been doing it for the last three or four but months. But who's they? Who's running those ads? Well, it's a it's a 501c4. It's one of these groups we were talking about. I think it's called uh, Justice for America or something like that. And, 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 oh, it's, it's a Judicial Crisis Network. That's what the name of it is. And, and, and quite frankly, it's got a really nice name. But, but the bottom line is, is that um, this is a very important vote for us in the Senate. It's a, it's a vote that we need to pay real attention to, and we need to know what, what this guy's made of and what he stands for. And I really, uh, it's fine if they want to run those ads, but the fact of the matter is, is that that that's really not how it, that we should be dictating whether we vote for an issue or vote for a person or vote against an issue or vote against a person. It should be based on the facts of what what this person or what this issue is really going to do within within our economy. Well, Maine is still a town meeting state. That's good. This time of year, early March, is when you have town meetings. Everybody goes, sits in the in the in the cafeteria of the school for a morning and votes on the town warrant and everything up and down. It's it's it is democracy. Man, at its most clear and present level, but nobody's allowed to go to a main town meeting and stand up and make a speech with a bag over their head. That's right. Everybody has to know who's talking, and and that's part of the information that you take in when you hear somebody making an argument. You say, "Oh yeah, I know, I know Frank. You know he's credible, or he's not." Yeah. But on these ads. Uh, we have no idea. Okay. So so there's no way for the people of Montana or Maine or Missouri or yep. Florida or anywhere else to assess, you know, why is this group trying to influence me? And, of course, with Citizens United, it can be a corporation, right. which takes it to uh, – interestingly, we as candidates can't accept 
contributions from corporations. Correct. So it, it's it's illegal. But you can have a corporation give a million dollars to one of these groups, and it pays for you know a huge number of ads in your state. And we've we're turning our democracy over to uh, people that. Aren't, don't necessarily represent the interests of our voters. You're, you're exactly right. A uh, little over 100 years ago, there was one of the Copper Kings in Montana that bought a Senate seat, literally bought it. And Montana's passed by voter initiative. Uh, initiatives said that corporations can't do this anymore. So corporations have been out of our business until the Citizens United, out of our elections since the Citizens United came along. And it, 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 it repealed this over 100-year law. And and that's corporations are not people. I mean, yeah, I'm but that's you, what Citizens United that's said. Exactly right. I, I think it's important. People people hear this name of this case. The essence of the case was the First Amendment says people, persons, have the right to free speech, and they interpreted the court interpreted person as including corporations. It's exactly right. And, and, and to tell and me not. that the framers thought of that, that Thomas Jefferson thought of corporations as as people, I I seriously doubt it. Absolutely did not. I mean, that's a fact. And and you know, I I farm Angus and. And I've got a corporation of my farm. Okay, it's totally different from me. It's it's not me. And you know, and, and and the fact is, when I get up in the morning and I see that corporation driving that tractor, I'll change my opinion. <laughs> but the fact is, that ain't never going to happen. <laughs> and you do. You are on that tractor most every weekend. Yes, I'm going to be seeding here in about ten days. So do it'll you? Be good. Uh, but you have a you have a, a phone. You do your work. I'm sure. Well, I will tell you, I've got a big advantage, and you'll appreciate this. My cell phone doesn't work too good on the farm. We don't have very good coverage. So when my press secretary calls me up, oftentimes I don't get that phone call, which is a beautiful thing. That's the same reason I ride a motorcycle. <laughs> once good. I once I'm out on the Harley, they can't find me. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're you're away from humanity. That's good. Well, John Tester, thank you very much for what you're doing on this and uh, for joining us this morning and uh, joining the people of Maine. I wish they could meet you. Uh, they'd uh, they'd enjoy knowing you, I think. Well, I would just tell you, Angus, I, I've been up to Portland uh, a couple different occasions, and uh, Maine is the closest state we have to Montana in this country, and it's a beautiful state with beautiful people. And uh, and I just want to express my appreciation for the people of Maine sending one Angus King to the United States Senate oh, because he's a, he's a class act. Hey, John, I, I hate to have that be the last <laughs> word, but you got it. Thank you very much, you and uh, we're going to keep working on this. Thank you. Welcome back to Inside Maine. This morning, we're talking about dark money. Uh, money that flows into political campaigns in huge quantities, and it's dark because nobody knows where it's coming from. Uh, we just talked to Senator John Tester of uh, Montana, senior senator from Montana, and now I've got John Wunderlich, who is the head of something called the Sunlight Foundation uh, that works on these issues of trying to make sure citizens can understand what's going on in their government, and who's trying to influence it, who's behind some of these campaigns. John, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Tell me about the Sunlight Foundation. What's your mission? The Sunlight Foundation, we're a nonpartisan nonprofit in Washington, D.C., and our mission is, is to create a more open and accountable and transparent government. And tell me more about uh, some of the ways that you, you want that to happen. What are, what are some of the issues? Sure. So the, the Sunlight Foundation was started in 2006, and that was a great time to start thinking about transparency, money in politics, and especially how technology is changing the way our, we have expectations about government openness and the way that we can all track and try to understand what's happening with the government. 
So we've had a, a big focus on- uh, Well, it also is about the time the huge money started gushing into campaigns, usually from sources that nobody knew. Right. The the arms race of money in politics in the United States is really ramped up. And that, that was shortly before the Citizens United and Speech Now uh, decisions, the Supreme Court, and, uh, uh, really opened the floodgates to money in politics. Talk to me about uh, dark money and money in politics, where it's coming from, why it's a problem. Who cares? I see the ad. You know, I can take it in. Why Why does it matter? Who, who knows who's behind it? Sure. So so uh, the laws that cover money in politics in America came because we had corruption scandals that were terrible. It was a response. Goes to... back to Teddy Roosevelt, doesn't it? Yep. First, first uh, federal campaign laws were around that time. Yep, Roosevelt and then and then Watergate and the, the various kinds of corruption scandals that we had. Uh, we had a, a coordinated response that said we want to have accountability. We want to have a limit on how much people can spend, can give to campaigns. And we want to have transparency to understand where it's coming from and how it's being spent. Pretty, pretty straightforward structure. Yeah. You can only give a certain amount, the idea being no one person should be able to buy a candidate. And secondly, we have to know who you are. So if, if I collect a $100 donation for my campaign, I have to report the name of the person, their address, their occupation, as I recall. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, all, it's all clear. But then we've got this sort of alternative channel that going on. Right. Um, so, so the the reason that those Supreme Court decisions were so disastrous is because it it made it possible for money to flow around the system where the regulations exist. So the problem of dark money and super PACs is that it's a parallel system to campaigns and to to where our campaign finance system works. It's it's like uh, like money laundering, like just finding a different way around so that you don't have to deal with disclosing your political donations or how you're spending your money. So I have to disclose a $100 contribution, but somebody can spend $10 million for me or against me, and there's no disclosure. Right. Um, th- that is, it is possible to do that by using uh, nonprofits, uh, C4 nonprofits, and by uh, being careful and laundering the donations through different entities um, until the Citizens United decision, that was largely impossible, and now it's becoming commonplace that donors will make it um, so that we can't see who's giving money, and and that means that there's well, there's also- a whole industry here of lawyers who know exactly how to do this, mm-hmm. and and it it's it's what it's it's the, become the common practice. In New Hampshire, we just had a, a senatorial election where 130 million dollars was spent between two candidates. Three quarters of that, on both sides, came. From outside now, some of it was disclosed, but a lot of it wasn't. And the people of New Hampshire don't know uh, who's trying to influence their votes. It's it's amazing when you when you look at what. And I shouldn't pick on New Hampshire. I mean, this is everywhere. But I thought that was a particularly egregious case of the amount of money, uh, uh, you know, that's just escalated beyond belief. It's so striking the difference between what a normal person, a normal citizen's uh, involvement in politics might be. Maybe they even donated and they, they gave $50 and compare that to a $10 million donation. And you have to worry about where representatives' attention goes and how the parties function. It's really corrosive to the idea of representation that, that a citizen's contribution is so small compared to what one person's massive corporate or, or $10 million contribution might be. Well, and and that's I think it's important that it goes through these various conduits, and they always put a nice name on it. I, with Senator Tester, I said Americans for Greener Grass, mm-hmm. 
but you have no idea who the group is. Now, what difference does it make? I mean, you see the ad and Americans for Greener Grass. Who cares? Why? Why does it? Why does it? Why does this matter? Uh, this matters because there's all kinds of machinery happening behind the scenes. It's not just a matter of uh, which commercials appear on television during the nightly newscast and whether that influences someone's vote. It's all the machinery behind the scenes that is able to to threaten legislators to vote a certain way or to try to influence them to be part of different blocks or positions. Um, it's also about what legislators spend their time on. I mean, there's such a, a need to spend time fundraising and orienting yourself toward wealthy donors rather than constituents. And so the concern is our representatives are able to spend their time and their mental energy orienting themselves toward real problems and toward consensus solutions. Well, in effect, we've gone back to where we were before these scandals where people could have disproportionate influence and uh, it's you, – you, you really it, – it just changes the way the work is done around here. Uh, do you uh, do you That's see the fear? Certainly, huh? that's the fear. Certainly. Well, that that is the fear, and and it, again, it's somewhat human nature. Uh, one of the bills I have with John Tester called the Real Time Transparency Act doesn't deal so much with this big outside dark money, but just ordinary contributions. Says if somebody gives you a thousand dollars, you got to report it within forty eight hours. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 this is this is an important. Uh, an important reform, in part because of the Supreme Court's McCutcheon decision, which lifted the aggregate limit. And that means that one person could only give a certain amount to the party and campaigns. And when those limits were lifted, it meant that individual donors, even ignoring the outside groups problem, individual donors gained more power. If you're someone that's able to give $60,000 in a cycle, suddenly you're, you're part of everyone's Rolodex in a much more important way. And that means that your donations matter more, they may be more corrupting, and therefore the disclosure matters more. So one of the things that, that this bill, I think, tries to address is can we see that kind of donation when it happens? Well, it also takes, takes account of technology. Mm -hmm. a, a, a disclosure that goes onto a, a, a file in the office of the Secretary of the Senate a month later or weeks later doesn't really serve the purpose of public disclosure. And we have the technology now. You can put it online and everybody can see it. And again, it's not a dispositive fact. It's just a fact. It's part of the way we all make decisions is consider the source. That's an old saying, consider the source. And what we're simply saying is this gives you the ability to consider the source. Absolutely. And it's also about whether or not our our laws can be enforced. Uh, you know, sometimes people steal from from campaigns. Um, sometimes there's there's outright bribery that happens. And so if, if we're not having a, a strong public record of how our system's working, then then there's there are really serious dangers that start to crop up. What about the issue in Citizens United that corporations are people? It's it's just unbelievable reasoning. Um, uh, <laughs> it, it makes sense to, to protect corporations' ability to function in the world, but they're a creation of the state. And so they're not natural persons. And so there is... Do you think the framers of the Constitution, uh, Madison, uh, Hamilton, those guys, when, when, and, and particularly when they did the Bill of Rights, uh, no person, et cetera, were they thinking of corporations? No. 
No, I don't think. And, and if they were, they were wrong. But I don't think they were. Thinking and this for this this decision, by the way, was made by a Supreme Court that claims to be tradi- uh, originalist and uh, based upon the thinking of the framers. I rec- as I recall, there there weren't many corporations in the colonies in those days. Right. I I think the the court's assessment of risk of of the risks of money being in politics were uh, were not based in reality and they've they have not been borne out. Well, there's one line in the Citizens United case that I think would be hilarious if it weren't so sad. It basically said uh uh there's no real risk of this kind of money right. leading to any kind of quid pro quo. I mean, it's it's like what planet are you living on? Mm-hmm. I think it was a congressman some years ago said we live in the only system in the history of the world where perfect strangers are expected to give you large sums of money and expect nothing in return. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about really large sums of money, not thousands of dollars, but millions. Do you see it resulting? Do you, do you think it contributes to the paralysis and the lack of effectiveness of what we're doing around here? I, I think it certainly does contribute to, to paralysis or at least volatility, where the it's so difficult to have a, a conversation, I mean, take healthcare, where the the parties could hardly be further apart, even though maybe in the end the, the goals aren't that different. The each debate, the parties are are at odds, and in order to bring a, a vote to the floor or even have a discussion about priorities, there are such strong interests. When when someone is threatening ten million dollar campaigns and and outside well, pressure. healthcare is only one sixth of the U.S. economy. I mean, <laughs> after all. Yeah, the stakes are very, very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, now, John Tester has a, a constitutional amendment, which I, I think makes total sense. And that is, it simply says a person is a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they they have to have a pulse, uh, not a corporation. And uh, I have a, a a totally unconstitutional, but I think uh, very simple solution to this whole thing. I think the rule ought to be nobody can contribute to your election campaign who's not a qualified voter in your state. Hmm. In other words, no money from the National Shoelace Manufacturers Association, no money from some billionaire that lives in, in uh, California. It's all about the voters in your state. Now, that's I'm, – I'm now running – I'm raising money. Uh, you, you can't unilaterally disarm, mm-hmm. but I'd be willing to take, take, take that rule if everybody else did. Uh, but that's not the rule now. But it would be it would return it to the idea of the you know the voters of your state are the ones who who know you and support you or don't support you. It's such a it's it's a tough fight because it's been framed in in First Amendment terms where get we're giving money is is about the freedom of speech. Yeah, but money that is really... that's the other piece of Citizens United. Money is speech. Mm-hmm. Goes back to the Buckley versus Vallejo Supreme Court decision. Um, to deal with money in politics, you, you really have three options. You can you can have limits. You can have subsidies, which would be public financing or other matching systems, um, and you can have disclosure requirements. and And we're doing our best at all three, but but there's really a a really strong deregulation effort in the country. Well, interestingly, though, the Supreme Court in Citizens United and in their other cases, which have limited limits, have expressly invited Congress to do disclosure. In fact, Citizens United says we really don't have to worry about this appearance of of corruption because we'll have disclosure. Everybody will know, but we don't. Right. And Congress has steadfastly refused to even consider uh, a disclosure, a serious disclosure. 
the Disclose Act almost passed. It was very close. I heard it was one or two votes. Yep. And, that was before my time. And the, and the FEC, you would hope, would, would be helpful, but they are, they are the subject of even worse paralysis than the Congress is. Well, John, thank you for joining us, and, and thanks for the work that you're doing. Uh, I just have this feeling that someday in the future, and I don't know whether it's going to be 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years, people are going to look back and say, what were they thinking uh, in terms of this system that's now not only built up but is accelerating? Uh, and I think we're going to have to really think hard about what the effect is. And and the public has to demand this. They have to say, we want to know who's trying to influence our vote. That's really what it comes down to. Until the public demands it, it's not going to happen around here because it's working for, this, for, the, for the folks in, in, who are in public office and aspiring to public office. Well, John Wunderlich, thanks very much. Thanks for your work and thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. And thanks for joining us on Inside Maine. This is Angus King. We'll be talking to you later and see you around.